0: On the cold and dreary evening of November the 15th, 1858, Edward Alcott's life turned grey. The only thing that saved it from going completely black was Albert. At the age of seven, older than Edward by only an hour, his twin had become the Earl of Grayling that night when their parents were killed in a horrific railway accident. Days later, Albert held Edward's hand as they sat dutifully in front of the caskets that contained whatever remained of their parents. During the evening of the day their parents were buried, Albert crept into Edward's bed so neither of them would feel so lost and alone. While they travelled to Havisham Hall, where they became the wards of the Marquis of Marsden, Albert unwittingly offered a distraction, Providing a place for Edward to vent his anger and frustration over life's unfairness. They constantly shoved and slapped at each other until the solicitor, travelling with them, separated the boys. After they were abandoned, so far from home, left in the Marquis's keeping, Albert assured Edward all would be well, that they began life together in the womb, and therefore would always remain together. Albert had been his anchor, his solace his one constant in all matters, all things. And now she was stealing him away, with her silken black hair and her startling blue eyes, and her sweet laughter and her gentle smile, Lady Julia Kenny. Albert was blinded by her beauty, her grace, and her attentions, allowing her to take up far too much of his time with rides in the park, rowing on the Thames, theatre, dinners, and, God forbid, poetry readings. She was pulling him away from those closest to him, causing him to put aside his love for drinking, whoring, gambling, and travelling. In six weeks, the Duke of Ashbury, Viscount Loxley, and Edward, were going on a trek through the Far East. As far as Edward was concerned, Albert should be going with them. He'd been planning to go with them until Lady Julia asked him not to leave. Without so much as the blink of an eye, Albert had adhered to her wishes and cancelled his plans to travel with them. She had managed to effectively wrap his brother around her littlest finger without much more than an occasional batting of her eyelashes and a fluttering of her fan. It was not to be tolerated. A woman should not have so much influence and control over a man's life. Edward wasn't certain why he'd followed her out of the festive ballroom and into the quiet shadows of the garden, why he'd stopped to watch as she left the path and disappeared into the thicket of rose-adorned trellises and boughs. He knew only that he couldn't lose Albert to her. He hesitated but a minute before darting into an area where the shadows were heavier, the glow from the gaslights lining the path held at bay. Proceeding cautiously until his eyes adjusted to the gloom, he finally saw her leaning back against the brick wall. Her lips slowly curled up to reveal her winsome smile. She looked so bloody glad to see him. In spite of the grey darkness, as he stepped nearer, he could see the adoration in her eyes. No other woman had ever looked at him as though every breath she took was for him and him alone, as though she existed only for him and his pleasures. It caused a tightening in his gut, a heady sensation of supremacy and purpose. I thought you'd never get here, she said in a whispered voice, belonged to angels. Temptation such as he'd never known tore through him, leaving him powerless against her siren's call. He didn't understand it. In all of his twenty-three years, he'd never had a woman create such a maelstrom of confusing and uncomfortable emotions. He should leave now, while he could, but she drew him in as though she had been created by the gods for him and no other. With one hand, he cradled her face, felt the rapid thrum of her pulse against his fingers, and stroked his thumb along her smooth cheek. She released a soft sigh, her eyes turned languid. He knew it was wrong, knew he would regret it, but he seemed incapable of rational thought or action. Leaning in, he took what he had no right to possess. He claimed her mouth as though it belonged to him, always had and always would belong to him.